Well, good evening, Grand Rapids First. Come on, anybody glad to be at the First Thrive night? Come on, why don't you just take about 10 seconds and give God the best praise that you got. Come on, the Bible says let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So come on, since there's breath in your body, let me hear the best shout of praise that you can give them tonight. Do me a favor, before you sit down, before you sit down, because I love this night. It is different. Some of y'all were expecting Pastor Sam to come up. No, this is a different night. But I want you to just look at the person next to you. You don't have to know them. Just look at whichever neighbor you like the best. And just say, oh, neighbor, I've got a feeling that tonight is going to be a good night. Come on, find another neighbor, the one you completely ignored. Come on, find another neighbor. Come on, say, other neighbor. I've got expectation that tonight is going to be a good night. Come on, give God some praise if you believe it. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. What an incredible moment this is. What an incredible night uh, this is. And if you've heard me preach before, you know I'm not just excited to be back at GR First. I am Red Bull excited. And I'm expresso elated uh, to be here on this first night of Thrive where we answer the question, can I do life without the power of the Holy Spirit? I see some people are still getting in the room, so I'm going to let them get in. I bring you greetings from the great country of Texas. Come on, that's where I'm from. And uh, this, is my, this is my second home. I have been coming to Grand Rapids first. Uh, since I was about 20 years old, and I've known uh, your pastors uh, for several years now, and I'll say this, um, there is absolutely nobody else that I know like Pastor Sam and Brenda Rife Coco. That's not flattery. That's not me just saying that. I, I have enough history with them to watch uh, not just the sermons they preach, but their lives as servants. And they are living, breathing sermons. And I pray you never, ever take for granted the gift, the incredible gift God has given you. And Pastor Sam and Brenda Rife Coco, can we just give honor to our honors due and thank God for our pastors? Come on, y'all can do better than that. I'm with them for life. I am with them for life, and we love them. I'm standing beside you. Amen. And my wife sends her love. My wife Taylor sends her love. She is at home with our three little humans. Uh, I have a seven-year-old daughter, Everly. I have a son who is five years old, Robert Madu III, my man-child. And then our youngest daughter just turned four. Remy just turned four, and she needs some serious prayer and intercession. Uh, she is not saved yet. Y'all keep praying. <laughs> she needs a Thrive Night. Um, but I'm, I'm so glad to be here, and I'm so thankful for what this night is called. I'm glad tonight is called Thrive and Not Survive. <laughs> There's so many believers in this season, in these unprecedented times that our world is in, that are just trying to survive in life. But how many of you know God did not save and redeem you for you just to survive? Come on, he wants you to thrive in your life. And that's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to jump straight into this tonight as you find your way to your seat. Would you stand with me to honor the reading of God's word? 
We're going to jump straight in. So glad to have my father here with me, Robert Madu Sr. Dad, would you give everybody a wave? You know, my father is the reason that I'm African-American. <laughs> Didn't want that to slip by you. I'm, I'm for real. He, he's from Nigeria. Uh, he came to America, met my mom, who's American. So when your father's African and your mother's American, that makes you... Y'all are smart people that thrive tonight, African-American. So it's American me talking. Y'all know I can switch to African at any moment. Any moment. You don't believe me. It is so good to be at the first drive tonight. God is going to do something in this place. If you believe it, say amen. amen. I told you, I told you, African-American. Go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter number 2. And I want to look at verses 1 through 11. John chapter 2, starting at verse number 1, and we'll land at verse number 11. When you're ready to read it, say yeah. If you're not ready, say hold on. I heard some, heard some hold-ons in this section over here, which means this is the section that needs a lot of prayer right here. This, <laughs> come on, John chapter 2. John chapter 2, starting at verse number 1. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with me? I want to pause right here and tell every kid who is breathing, do not try that at home. <laughs> Jesus is about the only one that can get away with looking at your mama <laughs> and saying a woman and then still get some more words out. So just don't try that. <laughs> said, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, they then do the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. And this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say amen again? Amen. Ooh, can you do life without the power of the Holy Spirit? Ooh, you can't go to Walmart without the power of the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't go to a wedding, as we just read, without the power of the Holy Spirit. You need power. And tonight, I want to preach to you, not long, but using this as a title, a recipe for power. A recipe for power. Look at your neighbor one last time and say, neighbor, I'm looking at you. 
And I know this message is for you. <laughs> you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A recipe for power. Father, speak to us tonight. Amen. Grand Rapids First Family, I uh, must admit to you, I've been coming to this church several years now. And in all the years that I've been coming, I have never admitted to you what I'm going to admit to you right now. I, uh, well, I'll just say, I am a terrible cook. I'm a terrible cook. Like, uh, how many of you in here, like, you know how to cook? Can I see your hand? Yeah, I can't stand y'all. Uh, <laughs> I am a terrible, terrible cook. I do not know my way around the kitchen. There's just, there's no other way to say it. I, I'm a terrible cook. As a matter of fact, to call me a terrible cook would actually be a compliment. It'd be a compliment. Like, let's say, like, I created something. I cooked something for you, and then I presented it to you, and you took a bite, and you said, oh, that's terrible. I wouldn't be offended by that. I would actually just be surprised that I was able to conjure up something that had enough substance that was actually palatable for you to taste. I am a horrible, horrible, terrible cook. And it's getting bad because now my kids know. My kids know. I, this is no lie. I'm not just trying to be funny. My, my daughter, Evie, who just turned seven, she said this the other day. We were talking. She said, Daddy, how come whenever mommy is gone and you're just watching us, how come we always have peanut butter sandwiches or go to Chick-fil-A? <laughs> I immediately said, honey, because daddy's consistent, okay? Your dad's consistent. I, I'm, I'm a horrible cook. I'm a terrible cook. I don't bake. I don't broil. I don't grill. Like, you know that? You know, like there's some men in here. Y'all like, like to grill, which by the way, that annoys me. When did like grilling become synonymous with masculinity? Remember that? Like, oh, I'm a man. I grill. Oh, I'm a man. I make ribs. So? <laughs> I'm a man. I make reservations. Okay? That's what I do. That's what I thrive at. <laughs> you got to know your role. I don't, I don't cook. And as a matter of fact, the older I get, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with my limitations. I'm a communicator, not a cooker. That is good. So if you want a sermon, call me. If you need a souffle, call Rachel Ray. Okay? Because I, I, I'm not a cook. And... It annoys me because I should be able to cook. I should be able to cook. If you think about it, all of us should be able to cook if you have a recipe. A recipe. You would think about that. Like a recipe should make you be able to cook. Like for instance, before I preached this, before I came to Thrive, I, I called my mom and I said, hey, send me your recipe for your banana bread. My mom makes this incredible banana bread. And I said, send me the recipe for the banana bread. And I was looking at this before service, her recipe, and come on, I should be able to do this because a recipe is simply ingredients and instructions. So as long as you have the ingredients... And as long as you follow the instructions, you should be able to cook, right? So I was looking at this banana bread, and I was like, I can do this. It says two cups of all-purpose flour. Uh, says one-fourth teaspoon of salt. Yeah, that's, I could do this. It says I need dark brown sugar. It says I need four uh, ripped bananas. And that's, that's the, right, right, banana. Whatever. I <laughs> it's a recipe. I should be able to make the banana bread, and you're laughing because you know what I know. I 
can't make that banana bread. I could go to Whole Foods, get all the organic bananas I can find. I could get all the ingredients. I could follow that recipe to the T, but there is no way in the world I'm going to be able to create my mama's banana bread in my own strength, just following the ingredients and the instructions. I need more than just the recipe if I'm going to produce that banana bread. If I'm going to produce my mama's banana bread, hello, I need my mama. I need her there. I can have the ingredients. I can have the instructions. I can have the recipe, but I will not get the results of the recipe unless I have the relationship. I need my mama to come alongside me in the kitchen. I need her to be there. I need her to tell me how to mix it together. I need her to tell me how and when to put it in the oven. I need her to, I know it says put it in there 30 minutes, but I need my mama to do that thing where she just knows it's ready and when she pulls it out I need the relationship to get the results of the recipe I need her to come alongside me I hope somebody sees where I'm going with this tonight the problem with many of us is that we have the recipe we have the word of God God has given us his blueprint he has given us the recipe but how many know you will not be able to produce the life that God wants you to live in your own strength and your own power how many know you need the Holy Spirit to come alongside you to be on the inside of you if you're ever gonna get the results of the recipe Ooh, this is the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit in you is the one that will speak to you and show you when you need to love and show you when you need to do what the recipe says and yet there are so many believers who think in their own strength they can actually walk out the principles of the Word of God without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside you and in you and through you, that speaks to you and guides you in all truth. This is why when Jesus is talking to his disciples in John chapter 14, before he leaves, he says, it's better that I leave. It's better that I go away, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. That Greek word paraclete means to come alongside you. Woo, right there in the kitchen, alongside of you, telling you, I know you got the instructions, and I know you got the ingredients, but you need me to show you how to live with power. Somebody say power. Oh, I need the Holy Spirit. I can't do it in my own strength. And if you want to see a powerless believer... Matter of fact, you want to see a believer you should run away from? Find a believer that's trying to follow the recipe without the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Ooh, there is nothing scarier than a believer that's trying to follow the recipe laid out in the Word of God, but yet they don't have the relationship, a living, vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, that's what religion looks like. Religion is trying to follow out the instructions of the recipe without any relationship at all. That is scary. Ooh, it reminds me of the young lady. You remember the young lady? You might have heard of her. She was cooking for her new husband. They had just got married, and she was so excited to cook the family's famous ham. 
they've been cooking ham in this family for years, and she cooks this ham, and it's a beautiful ham, and she loves it, and she cooks it, and she batters it. She does whatever you do to a ham. I don't know what you do to a ham because I don't cook. And she did all of that to the ham, and she got everything ready. And just before she got ready to put the ham into the oven, this girl, she's so excited, she takes a knife, and she cuts off both ends of the ham. And her new husband is scared, especially the way she worked the knife. <laughs> He's like, oh, uh, what was that about? She's like, what was what about? He's like, you, you cut off. The, that's the best part. He said, I like the back part of the ham. She's like, uh, that's the way my mama cooks a ham, and that's the way I did it. So he didn't ask any more questions. She put the ham in the oven, and she started eating it. Well, Christmas rolls around, and her mama just happened to be there making the famous family ham. And sure enough, she prepares the ham, makes it all nice, tipples out the knife, cuts off both ends of the ham. And finally, the daughter asked a question she had never asked her mama. She said, hey, mama, why do you cut off both ends of the ham before you put it into the oven? And her mama said, girl, I don't know. That's the way your grandmother makes the ham. <laughs> and so finally, thank God for the Christmas gathering, they called Granny in there and said, Granny, come here. Granny said, what? Come here, Granny. And Granny walked in the kitchen mad because they interrupted us so poppers. And she said, what do y'all want? She said, Granny, we wanted to know, why when you cook the ham, do you cut off both ends of the ham before you put it in the oven? And Granny said, baby, I did it because my pan was too small. Now leave me alone and let me go back to watching TV. Two generations of cutting off a ham. Why? They were following the recipe, but they never had a conversation and got the truth through the relationship. Oh, this is what was happening all throughout history. That's why the Pharisees were good choppers. They were cutting people with the word of God, but they didn't have a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. And that's what religion will do. Religion will cause you to chop people you shouldn't be chopping. You need relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need God's power to be full on the inside of you because God didn't save you to chop people. You know how many believers I know that think I got the power. Some of them speak in tongues but can't speak nice. You can put your tongues to the side if you can speak in all kinds of tongues, but you don't know how to be kind and just speak nice to people? You think God saved and redeemed you for you to walk around looking frustrated and constipated like you've been sucking on lemons all day and say, yeah, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I've been saved a long time. You ought to get some of this too. Really? That's why he redeemed you. No, 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 no. God did not ordain or call anybody to chop. He called you to love. Matter of fact, he's given you power. Holy Spirit gives you power to be a witness. Be a witness. Not to chop people. So that's why in my text today, you know what I love about this passage? I love that this text does not start off with chopping. The text we read today starts off we're dancing. John chapter 2 starts off just like this. It 
Some of y'all are like, I did not read that in the text that you just read. It's there. I promise. It's there. It's there. Because Jesus is with his disciples. And check this out. They're not going to the synagogue. They're not going to a prayer meeting. They're not even going to the First Thrive Conference or service. They're going to a party. They're going to a party. I want you to think about this. That your Savior, who had three years to turn this world upside down, said, you know what? I still got time to go to a good party. Oh, that blessed me. That blessed me. Not just a regular party, a wedding party, a Jewish wedding party that lasted seven days of celebration, seven days of dancing. Your Savior, my Lord, your God, had time to go to a party. And not only did he go to the party, I wholeheartedly believe he was dancing at the party. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Where do you picture Jesus at the party? That's really probably imperative for me to know something about you. Like, where do you see Jesus at this party? Do you see him, like, on the wall going, I cannot believe these wretched sinners. <sighs> Why did they even invite me to this party? We should be worshiping right now. No! Is that how you, because that tells me a lot about your walk with the Lord. If that's how you see Jesus. No, 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 no. He was not on the sideline. I promise you, Jesus was right there on the dance floor with Peter and Bartholomew going, come on, y'all, let your slide. Oh, yeah, y'all know I can move like that. You know if you're the savior of the world and you got to pick your own body, you know you had to have some rhythm. You're not going to give yourself a body with no rhythm. He was on the dance floor, getting it in, having a good time. And that blesses my life because you understand the fruit of the Holy Spirit. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life is joy, is joy. You want to see a revival of people full of the power of the Holy Spirit? We need some believers in the midst of a global pandemic that still have their joy. We need some believers that have gone through some pain, but still have their joy. We need some believers that lost their job, but still have some joy. Come on, anybody can get happy when good things come your way. But if you want to know if you really got some spirit in you, can you go through hell, but still find a hallelujah down on the inside of your soul? Because joy has nothing to do with my circumstance, but everything to do with the fact that the Holy Spirit's power is in me. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Still had time to dance at a party. If it was me, I'd be like, y'all know I got to go to the cross in three years. I don't got time to dance. Now, Jesus, he's at the party and he's dancing. He's having a good time. And I want to stay here just a little bit because I think so many people, your view of Jesus is him on a cross dying. And yes, he did die, but he didn't just die. He danced. And some of you, the greatest sign of the power of the Holy Spirit being in you is for you to have joy again. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the happiness of the Lord. Happiness means something has to happen. Joy is a byproduct of the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, you say, well, I'm terrible at joy. I know, me too. I'm terrible cook too. You say, I'm terrible at love. Me too. I'm a terrible cook too. You say, I'm terrible at love and peace and patience. Exactly. We're all terrible. And that's why you need more than a recipe. You need relationship. You need the power of the Holy Spirit being on the inside of you. And that relationship 
that, that, that paraclete that comes alongside you is the one that guides you into all truth. This, this miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine is significant because it is the first miracle that Jesus ever did. It is the first miracle. Think of that, that his first miracle would not be healing a blind eye or a deaf ear. His first miracle would not be casting out a demon, but his first miracle would be turning water into wine. His first miracle would be to save this wedding couple from embarrassment and humiliation. That's his first miracle. That his first miracle would not be in the synagogue, but his first miracle would be in a social setting. See, I think we get confused when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit because some people think that the power of the Holy Spirit is just for in here. Do you really think God wants to fill you up with the power of the Holy Spirit so you can exercise it in here? No, 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 no. If this is anything, this is a gas station to fill you up so you can go back out there. That's the power of a thrive night. I'm not coming here so I can show you how powerful I am. I'm coming here to get filled back up because I'm going back into a world that is a desert, that is dying, that needs hope, that needs a life, that needs some real power. Oh, look at our Savior. He said, I'm going to reveal my glory in a social setting. I'm going to show you power at a wedding. Oh, that's his first miracle. And so he's there, and he's dancing, and he's having a good time. And I think the reason he wanted us to see this miracle at the wedding is because maybe this first miracle, this first place where he showed his power, perhaps it's a prototype for how power is really displayed in the earth. Perhaps the process of the way this miracle came to pass, seeing that it is the first miracle, God's actually trying to show us as believers today how I exercise my power in the earth. So I love it because he's dancing, having a good time. And I can see it because right as he's dancing, he looks across the room and his mama is giving him that look. That all mamas have. And she doesn't say a word. She just looks at Jesus and goes. <laughs> and as she's wiggling that finger, Jesus had to have, he had to have some issues within himself. Because I mean, he is fully God and fully man. 100% God, 100% man. So there's divinity and humanity in him at the same time. And I'm thinking divinity is looking at his mama across the room, wiggling her finger, <laughs> saying, come here. And divinity has to be saying, she doesn't know who I am. I am the preeminent, preexistent, all-seeing, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful God. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. I am God and beside me there is no other. Nobody voted me in and nobody can vote me out. I am he who was and who is and who is to come. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am God and you wiggling your finger at me. I brought you in this world. <laughs> I can take you out. <laughs> Divinity is saying all of that. <laughs> but humanity knows if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. He said, let me see what she wants real quick. <laughs> and he walks over to her and she says, oh, baby, they're out of wine. They're out of wine. And he looks at her and says, woman, what does that have to do with me? 
Now, before we deal with the details of that, I first want you to see something, that they're at a wedding. People are dancing. People planned for this wedding. How many know if you plan for anything, you plan for your wedding? And yet in all their preparations and all their planning, it still wasn't enough. They still ran out. They went through the guest list. They knew who was coming. They ordered the wine. They said, that'll be enough. Yet with all their planning, all their human effort, they still ran out. They still fell short. Ooh, if this is not a picture of the human predicament, that with all of our planning, with all of our beautiful services, with everything that we do in our agendas, how many of you know in your own strength, you will still run out. You don't have the ingenuity. You don't have the cognitive aptitude to make sure you need the power of the Holy Spirit because I don't care how smart you are. You can have more degrees than a thermometer. I promise you in some area of your life, you will run out they ran out with all of their planning and still they didn't even notice it they were still dancing and it took Mary took the mother of Jesus to number one see the problem she saw the problem that's what I want to start with life full of the spirit starts with your ability to be able to perceive the problem can you really see what the problem is? I think humanity's biggest problem is we don't know our problem. You think you know your problem, but you don't know your problem. A lot of times we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, this is my problem. Help me with it. And God's going, no, that's your problem, is you don't know your problem. We're looking at things that we want God to fix on the surface of our life. But I'm telling you, when the Spirit comes in your life, the Spirit does not come in your life to deal with surface issues. How many know the Spirit wants to do a deep work and go deeper to the root of issues? And I'm so intrigued that in a wedding party with all kinds of people there, Mary is the only one that could see the problem. I'm wondering, do you perceive the problem in your life? Or are you just looking at the surface? It reminds me of a man who one day... Four of his friends cut a hole in a roof to drop him at the feet of Jesus. And this man is lame. Everybody can see it. Whew. Anybody need the power of the Holy Spirit? You're lame, bro, you're lame. His life was so lame. But the first words out of Jesus' mouth to the man were not get up and walk. The first words out of his mouth were, your sins are forgiven. In other words, you don't know your problem. You think your biggest issue is your legs? He said, but if I heal your legs, but I don't go deeper to the brokenness that's on the inside of you, what good is it for you to be walking but still be broken and not healed on the inside? He said, I've got to go deeper to the root of the issue because I want you healed and whole. So he says, your sins are forgiven. Do you know your problem? Some of you think your problem is like, man, I just need some more money. I just need more resources. That's not your problem. Your problem is your insecurity. It's your insecurity. And so until God heals your insecurity, the things that makes you buy things that you don't need to impress people that you don't even like, until the insecurity is healed, you will continually be purchasing things, trying to fill the hole in your soul. I'm telling you, are you able to even see the problem? 
Everybody was dancing. Everybody was caught up. But Mary said, they're running out. It's not enough. I think one of the things the Holy Spirit will whisper in your life are the areas in your life that you're running out. The areas of your life where it is not enough. She said, they're out of wine. She could see the problem. So he goes, she goes up to her and says, Jesus, they're running out of wine. He says, woman, what does that have to do with me? It is not my time. Somebody say time. Oh, come on. Say it like you have some coffee today. Say time. So it's not my time. And in my mind, Mary had to be thinking, first of all, why are you calling me woman, boy? But the conversation doesn't even make sense. He says, woman, it is not yet my time. She said they're running out of wine. What does wine have to do with time? What in the world does wine, did you hear me? I didn't say they're running out of time, they're running out of wine. What does wine have to do with time? He's fully God and he's fully man. And the divinity in him knew that that wine at their wedding was a picture of his blood that was going to be shed for all of humanity. Do you understand when the Bible says that this family, this couple ran out of the wine, that was the groom's fault. It was the groom's responsibility to bring the wine. The groom was supposed to bring the wine. So when it says they run out of wine, it's letting you know the groom dropped the ball. And so he understands that because he is the groom and we are his bridegroom, he's already thinking of his time on the cross where he's going to be with his bride. And he said, the only way I can be with my bride is for my blood to be shed. And he said, my wine, my blood, if you will, is God to be enough for the sins of the world if I'm ever going to be connected with my bride and they're then going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit I cannot run out so she's talking about the wine but he's thinking about his sacrifice on the cross he says woman it's not my time but Mary saw the problem but the fact that she's talking to Jesus lets us know that number two she was seeking the power. She went to the right place. She went to the right place. Whenever you're running out, you got to go to the power. I love that when she ran out, she didn't try to see if she could go to Costco and buy some more. She said, I'm going to go to the one that has the power. And I love that she did not let what he said make her give up. Some of us quit too soon. Some of us would have been offended. Oh, how dare he call me woman? How dare he not say to me, oh, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you may ask to think. Of course. I no, he didn't say yes. He said, it's not my time. But Mary understood the power of going to Jesus. How many know when you are running on empty and you need the power of the Holy Spirit, you got to run to Jesus. You've got to seek the power. And some of us are going through things in our life right now that are running us empty and we're trying to run to other sources in our life. But God is actually trying to bring us to our knees to let us know that we need the power of the Holy Spirit that you 
you cannot do this on your own. You cannot do this on your own strength. How many of you know you've got to seek the power? It's not enough to see the problem if you don't run to Jesus and say, they have run out. My life is running out. I can't do this marriage without you. I can't raise these kids without you. I can't do this business without you. I need you. Don't just see the problem. You got to run to the power. She runs to Jesus. She said, I'm not just seeing the problem, but I'm also going to seek the power. That's the beauty of tonight. This Thrive Night is we're not just believers coming here saying we see a problem in our world or a problem in our own lives. We're saying, God, we know where the power is. We know where our hope is. We are coming to you because we know we cannot do it in our own strength. So Jesus tells her, it's not my time. And I love what Mary does. She does not leave him and get offended. She does something actually quite strange. Mary goes straight from Jesus to the catering crew. She goes straight to the bus boys, the waiters. And she goes from Jesus to them, and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. You got to see this. They, they run out of wine. She does what you're supposed to do. She saw the problem. She goes to the power. He says, it's not my time. Doesn't give her a yes or a no. She leaves Jesus and then goes to the catering crew. She goes to the bus boys, the waiters, if you will, and looks at them and says, y'all come here. Do whatever he tells you to do. What? She's got a problem. She goes to the power. The power says, it's not my time. Which could have been taken as, leave me alone. <laughs> but she goes from the power to the catering crew, to the servers, and says, do whatever he tells you to do. How do you go from God in flesh to the bus boys and go, do whatever he tells you to do? Don't forget who this is. This is Mary. And who else but Mary understands that if you ever want to see God do a miracle in the earth, you don't just need to see the problem. You don't need to just seek the power, but you better go to the partners. Because anytime God is going to do something in the earth, how many know he is going to partner with you and I? Anything that God is going to manifest in the earth, he is going to partner with humanity. Some of you in here right now are saying, all these things are going on in the world. God, why? Why don't you do something about it and God I'm waiting on you and God's looking right at you going I'm waiting on you I'm waiting you are the one that the world is waiting for because God is going to partner with you that is the power of the Holy Spirit it is his spirit in you and through you partnering with you that causes the miracle to come forth who else 
else but Mary knew that you go from Jesus straight to the partners, straight to the servers. She says, I know how he works. Trust me, I was a young girl and one day an angel visited me and said, Mary, I know this sounds crazy, but guess what? That's what our God does. And I know you and Joseph are working on your plans to get married, but let me tell you what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and you are going to give birth to the son of the living God. Who else but Mary knew that whenever God is going to do something in the earth, how many of you know the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and be in you and work through you? That's why she went from the powerful Savior to the partners, the servers. Ooh, I'm telling you, God is just looking for some bus boys and some bus girls who are willing to be ready to do whatever he tells you to do. It blows my mind that Mary went from Jesus to the, Jesus didn't need this catering crew to do the miracle. He could have wiggled his nose. He could have put a I dream of genie and turned that water into wine. But hear me, this is the power of the Holy Spirit in you, is that God partners with you. God partners with you. It's your job just to be the waiter. Isn't that crazy? It was the waiters at the wedding that got to participate in the miracle. The, wa the waiters always get the Holy Spirit. Oh, don't forget what happened in the book of Acts. It was the waiters. The ones that didn't leave, that waited in the room one day, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The waiters always get to partner in the miracle. Ooh, Mary said, I know how he works. I know he said it's not his time, but I know him. Do whatever he tells you to do. Why do you need to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit? Because you've got to do whatever he tells you to do. And what he tells me to do might not be what he tells you to do. We need believers who are so in tune with the Holy Spirit, that are so full of the Spirit that when he speaks, you know it's him. And no matter how crazy it seems, you obey. You mean crazy stuff? Like crazy stuff. Like how crazy? I'll show you how crazy. Worship team, join me. She goes, do whatever he tells you to do. And sure enough, what does he say? He says, fill six of the stone vessels used for purification. He said, fill them to the brim with water. Six of them. I just brought one. I'm a church planner. This is my budget right here. <laughs> but I wish I had six so you could see, because six is the number of man. He said, fill them up to the brim with water first. Water. Start with what you have. Start with what you have. You want to be full of the Holy Spirit? You want God to use you? You want to discern his voice? Start with what you have. Fill it with water. And just do what he tells you to do. Sometimes we're looking for the big thing or looking for the outside thing. No, do what he tells you to do. Start with water. 
They fill it up with water. And he tells them, I want you to take some of that water that you filled the stone vessel with and then take it to the master of the ceremony and pour it. Do whatever he tells you to do. Why do I have to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit? So I can hear his voice to do whatever he tells me to do. And I'm telling you, he's going to tell you to do some things that will not make sense in the natural. But will you trust him to do whatever he tells you to do? Sometimes we make so many things complicated when really it comes down to do whatever he tells you to do. You want to know what faith looks like and trusting God looks like? You know what, want to know what a life of the Spirit looks like? It does not take much faith and trust to fill it up with water. It takes obedience, but it doesn't take a whole lot of faith. It doesn't even take a whole lot of faith to fill up the pitcher. But you want to know what a life of the Spirit looks like? It's that walk across the wedding banquet room when you know water is in the pitcher and the master of the ceremony is sitting on the second row holding out the cup. Woo. And you got to walk across that road. You want to know what a life of the Spirit looks like and you're walking and you're checking and you're going, okay, God, if you want to turn this thing and right now would be a good time to turn it because I'm walking and I'm checking and nothing is changing. Oh, this is stupid. I'm going to lose my job. I just got this catering job. I can't do this. Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about. Has anybody ever been there before where you were living a life of the Spirit and you know what God told you to do and you've had to make that walk across the room and you're looking at a situation that is not changing and that looks the same and everything in the natural is saying you ought to turn back around and not do it this is crazy this makes no sense of course it doesn't make sense it has to not make sense for you to trust God this is what a life of the spirit is to saying God I'm not trying to make sense I'm just trying to obey you and I've got to do whatever you're telling me to do I don't know who this is for but God said he wants to fill you with the spirit so you can get your confidence back your boldness back that irrespective of what the picture looks like you will keep on walking walking on the word walking on what he spoke walking on what he told you God give us some believers who have boldness who have confidence that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus give us a boldness that will stand up against persecution that doesn't care about the opinions of other people but only cares about being obedient to the will of their father oh I gotta do whatever he tells me to do keep walking keep walking keep
turned into wine. I don't know when it happened, but I wholeheartedly believe it did not happen when they scooped it. I don't even think it happened when they poured it. But they had to pour. That's the final thing is pour out. And I can almost in my mind see them walking back going, I cannot believe I just did that. I cannot believe I just, I did what he told me to do. And that was, I didn't even see a change. Because sometimes that's what a life of the Spirit looks like. You might not see the evidence right at the beginning. But God wants to know, will you do whatever I tell you to do? They poured. And perhaps after walking away wondering, did I just lose it all? Did I just make a fool of myself? All of a sudden, they drink it. Take a drink of that. the master takes a drink he says whoa and they're like what <laughs> that's the best wine I have ever had in my life and that's what he says the best what the best wine yeah, yeah that's the, of course it's the best wine <laughs> yeah I knew that when I poured it <laughs> see that's what it looks like sometimes when you're walking by faith saying God I gotta trust you he said most people bring the best wine first and the cheap wine last he said but oh no this wine is different because you saved the best for last can I tell you what I believe and while we've got to be full of the Holy Spirit how many know our world has seen some incredible moves of God we have seen God pour out his spirit we've seen our Azusa's we've seen incredible things but how many know I believe that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former come on God wants to save the best for last don't you let the news reports that you see make you give up and lose hope I believe everything that's going in the earth right now is just a set up come on somebody for the greatest move of God for the greatest revival for the greatest harvest God will always save the best for last he's just looking for some willing servants that will do whatever he tells you to do why do I have to be full of the Holy Spirit because God's called you to continually pour you got to be full so you can pour out. You can pour out to a world that so desperately needs that which you carry. I'm asking tonight for God to fill us with a fresh infilling of his Holy Spirit so that we can go out into our homes and our communities, into our families, and do whatever he tells you to do and to pour out your life, pour out your love, pour out peace, pour out joy, pour out patience. The fruits of the Spirit, pour it out for a world that needs it so desperately.